Welcome to Brisbane West Vineyards podcast. It's great to have you with us. We're a community of people sharing God's love, power, and life that's revealed in Jesus. We gather Sundays, 5 p.m. at Good News Lutheran School in Middle Park. We exist simply for the King and His kingdom, that His will be done on earth as it is in heaven. wanted to share a little story with you before we get going. One of my enduring memories from childhood is sitting on um, the garden wall that ran along the back of my, my home, my parents' home. They still live there. They moved in in 1976 in the, the hottest summer in British memory. Um, and um, they, they're still living there today. Anyway, my, me and my sisters, my two sisters and myself, we, we were sitting on this wall which separated our garden from the driveway outside. And um, it was quite high, particularly if you were only eight, but um, um, not, probably not that high for, for some of us. Reuben, today, you might just think, oh, I'll just leap over that. But it was quite high for us when we were eight. Um, <clears throat> and we were permitted to sit there twice a year. Once on Boxing Day and once on Easter Monday. And so my sisters and I would sit there waiting and we were watching as the cars flew past on the road and we were like, is this the car? Is this them? Because we were waiting, get these great names from the 70s, we were waiting for my auntie Kit and my uncle Bert <laughs> to arrive. I found out later they weren't actually my auntie and uncle, they were kind of like second cousins or my grampy or something. But you know how you just heap everybody in as an auntie and uncle? Anyway, so we were waiting for Auntie Kit and Uncle Bert to arrive and it was a big event in our lives. We loved Auntie Kit and Uncle Bert because they would bring us Easter eggs or Christmas gifts and they loved to play games with us and they would come twice a year. So um, inside my mum, she was busy rearranging furniture, you know, getting down the chairs from upstairs. You can't really relate to that, can you? No? Jackie, you can relate. Yeah, getting the chairs in from the garage um, or whatever she was doing. Um, and um, she was laying out this big buffet, you know, with a, with a tea that was spread sort of fit for a king. So we were all exciting. There was no text messaging back then, of course. There was no kind of ETA, no show your location, all of those great gifts that we have today from Apple and um, Samsung. But um, we had to just wait on that wall. And um, another car whooshed by and we were like, is that them? And that anticipation was rising in our hearts and they eventually would arrive. Now, I'm sure you can relate if you look, look back at your um, upbringing and you think about times when you were, couldn't wait for something to happen, your, maybe your birthday or I'm sure Christmas would feature in there. And um, I, that story came to me this week when I was thinking about the season that we're in at the moment, because we're, obviously we're in Advent, aren't we? We're, there's some debate over what week of Advent we're in, but because um, Christmas Eve actually falls on, on a Sunday, so we're not quite sure where we are, but we're, we're in Advent nonetheless. And it's a period of preparation, isn't it, and waiting. Now, I'm sure in your house, um, kids, there's plenty of preparation going on, or maybe people are very secretive in your house and you can't actually see the preparation. But I can assure you, preparations are well underway for Christmas in your households. Um, so today, and in fact, over the next couple of weeks, we're going to be looking at what Advent means. What is this season of Advent and how can we enter into it? Um, and we fitted this in as part of our Living in the Fathers series that we've been doing. Um, and so over the next couple of weeks, we're going to be looking at Living in the Father's Hope, and then Jonathan's going to be speaking next week on Living in the Father's Love. 
So what does living in the Father's hope have to do with Advent? We're going to be finding out today. Um, Okay, thanks, Jonathan. If we look in dictionary.com, we can find out what Advent means. It means it's the arrival of a notable person or thing. And it comes from the Latin there, Adventus, which comes from the Greek, parousia, which means coming. There's such hope in that word, isn't there? And we've sung about it already this evening. Come, Lord Jesus, come. And there's that sense of arrival. And that's what we're pressing into when we come into this season of Advent. There's so much hope in that word. As we sat there on that wall as just little girls, we were full of hope at the arrival of Auntie Kit and Uncle Bert. (laughs) They were on their way, but they weren't yet here. During um, the week, as I was thinking about Advent, I read this really helpful article um, that was posted on the University of Portland's um, website. And the question they were asking is, what is the role of anticipation in preparing for Christmas? And I thought I'd read you what they had pulled together. This is what they posted. On that day, in quotes, is a phrase that features in many of the first readings through the beginning of the season of Advent. The season starts with a sense of anticipation. And these readings are usually taken from the book of Isaiah and the longings of the people of Israel for the coming of the day of the Lord. The day when many of the anxieties and struggles of life are brought to a peaceful resolution. The readings point to a longing that Christians understand as finding fulfillment in the birth of Jesus, celebrated at Christmas. They also point to a longing that remains in our hearts to this day. Jesus did come into the world in a manger one day in Bethlehem. Yet a return is awaited, a return in glory when the fullness of the kingdom of God is to be made manifest in its fullness. It is a return that will bring about the justice and peace and life that our hearts long for. The season of Advent then seeks to draw our longing to the foreground and awaken a greater awareness of the anticipation that we hold in our hearts for the fullness of the life that God draws us into. Isn't that wonderful? And I think Advent reminds us as kingdom people that there's a tension in our long walk with Jesus, isn't there? And this tension is, is, is not just present in the few weeks as we anticipate Christmas, but it's a constant tension, isn't it, that we learn to embrace wherever we are in our walk with Jesus. As a people of God, we celebrate that Jesus has come. And I wanted to read you John, um, John's eyewitness account in his gospel. In the first chapter, he says, So the word became human, And made his home here among us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness. And we have seen his glory. The glory of the Father's one and only Son. We also celebrate and look to the future with hope and expectation. That soon Jesus will come in his fullness. As we've sung this evening. And when we look into the Acts of Apostles we can see what happened after Jesus was resurrected. 
Jesus speaks to them and says to the disciples, that is, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And then after saying this, Jesus was taken up into a cloud while they were watching and they could no longer see him. As they strained to see him rising into heaven, two white-robed men stood there among them. Men of Galilee, they said, Why are you standing here staring into heaven? (laughs) Jesus has been taken from you into heaven, but someday he will return in the same way you saw him go. So scripture is full of these promises, these eyewitnesses accounts of Jesus having come, and then these promises that he is going to come in his fullness. And that's the tension that we are living in today, isn't it? Now, throughout the Hebrew Bible, God reveals himself to his people more and more over time. And just now, when Jonathan got to us to call out those names of God that we remember him by and how he revealed himself, those are kind of like a revelation of God that comes throughout Scripture. Thank you, Jonathan. Someone called out, I think, Nicholas, Yahweh. Yeah, the one who is becoming dynamically present. That's the way that Derek Morphew, the, uh, uh, one of our fave vineyard theologians, describes what that name Yahweh means, the one who is becoming dynamically present. I love that. It sums up that whole expectation and hope that we have as God reveals himself more and more to us, not just throughout the scriptures, but in our own journey with him. I think it describes the wonderful inbreaking nature of God that we all hope for more and more, where he shows up literally with us in relationship, that we know we have a relationship with him. He comes and he changes the landscape of our lives with his truth and love. And we all have a testimony of how he's doing that and how he has done that in the past. Another way we find out about this nature of God, thanks Jonathan, later in the prophets, um, God reveals to himself, doesn't he, through Isaiah as Emmanuel, God with us. And we see that, don't we, as the coming of Jesus that we just read about and the outpouring of the Holy Spirit on all flesh. So if you are walking with Jesus, and I know many of you are, you will know what this tension feels like of him having come and us waiting for the fullness But Advent's a good season to walk through and a reminder to us because I think at times we forget and we begin to lose hope. Because sometimes things don't turn out in our lives exactly how we were expecting. And so we begin to ask questions, which are healthy questions to ask, but we ask, you know, what's happening? I thought life was going to turn out a little different. And so we can blame God, we blame others, and we blame ourselves as well, I think, a lot of the time. So I wanted to remind you today that the truth is that right now, we have experienced his coming. That right now, you have been redeemed. That right now, each one of you who has said yes to Jesus is already a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. 
And right now, you are living in the promise of Psalm 23, where you have Emmanuel, God with you. And as David reminds us, when we have God with us, we have all that we need. But at the same time, the tension is there, isn't it? And we still pass through that valley of the shadow of death. We still have spiritual enemies that surround us. They want to isolate us and condemn us and destroy us ultimately. And so I want to remind us, and, and sometimes we can get confused about these things, but we are in a spiritual battle. And when we can describe it as a spiritual battle, sometimes we can think, oh, it's just spiritual, it's just out there. <laughs> but a spiritual battle actually has very real physical outworkings in our lives, doesn't it? So whilst we keep those things close in our hearts, we need to keep our eyes and our hearts open because there is more to come. God is the one who is becoming more and more dynamically present among us. So how are we going to live faithfully in this tension? And how do we live without giving up hope? How do we prepare more for his coming, more of his inbreaking into our lives? and our communities right here, right now, today. Because we are people of that promise, aren't we? And when we walk into Advent, we're not waiting, you know, for Jesus to, well, we are waiting for Jesus to come in his fullness. But it's not a waiting that is just inactive and passive. It's a kind of waiting where Jesus is calling us to partner with him. So do you have promises from God that you haven't seen the fullness of yet? Have you got dreams that you've had that haven't yet been fulfilled? Or maybe you're experiencing great disappointment at how things are working out. Some of us I know have a broken heart. So how do we live when, when we see around us isn't a fulfillment of what we had hoped for? Well, I think we need to learn to live in the Father's hope. And we need to learn to live as a people of Advent, people who are expectant of his coming, people who trust him and who obey him even when things are looking tough. So I wanted us to, to look in Luke today at Zachariah's prophecy John's going to bring some of this, more of this out next week in his message too. So this prophecy was given at the birth of Zachariah's son, who was John the Baptist. And it was given by Zachariah after nine months of him being mute. He wasn't able to say a single thing for nine months. Can you imagine? And that comes on the back of almost 400 years of silence from God's prophets. So this was the first kind of public word that was given in 400 years. And the people were living at the time in a period of great oppression and darkness and it was pressing in on them every side. But God spoke into that space and I'm going to read to you Zachariah's prophecy. I've got the very end of it there up on the screen. So it starts actually in verse 67. Then John's father, Zechariah, was filled with the Holy Spirit and gave this prophecy. 
Praise the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has visited and redeemed his people. He has sent us a mighty saviour from the royal line of his servant David, just as he promised through his holy prophets long ago. Now we will be saved from our enemies and from all who hate us. He has been merciful to our ancestors by remembering his sacred covenant, the covenant he swore with an oath to our ancestor Abraham. We have been rescued from our enemies so we can serve God without fear, in holiness and righteousness for as long as we live. And you, my little son, you will be called the prophet of the Most High because you will prepare the way for the Lord. You will tell his people how to find salvation through forgiveness of their sins. Because of God's tender mercy, the morning light from heaven is about to break upon us to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death and to guide us to the path of peace. If you're looking for somewhere to do your devotions as you run up to Christmas, this is a great place to stop and camp out for a while. And we're going to camp out there over the next couple of weeks. Zachariah's word there, well, the Holy Spirit's word through Zachariah is full of hope and expectation, isn't it? This prophecy was given before Jesus was born. Yet we hear that salvation has come. And because of God's great compassion and the word there is, is in, his, in his gut, he's feeling this immense compassion for his people. Because God has felt that way, he is determined to rescue us. And that light that is spoken about there, isn't it, is Jesus. At the time that John, that um, Zachariah was speaking, that light was about to break in. But from where we're standing, it has already come. That light that we can see in those verses has broken in upon us. And so as we walk this tension as followers of Jesus, we need to learn to hang on to that truth of our redemption and our new status and not forget it or take it for granted, but treasure it. The light has come and has dawned on us and we have been redeemed. God came and God has done what he said he would do. Even if right now in your particular circumstances, it doesn't look like it. If we turn to the end of Luke's gospel in Luke 24, we find two disciples walking along the road to Emmaus. Disciples much like you and me. And Jesus hears them talking and draws alongside and has a conversation with them. They're downtrodden and there's sadness all across their faces. And why is that? It's because they had put their hope in a Messiah. Jesus draws along and says, what things have you been discussing? And they say to him, the things that happened to Jesus, to that man from Nazareth. He was a prophet who did powerful miracles. He was a mighty teacher in the eyes of God and all the people. But our leading priests and other religious leaders handed him over to be condemned to death and they crucified him. We had hoped that he was the Messiah who would come to rescue Israel. 
So these disciples, they thought that Jesus would rescue them from their enemies as the prophecy that Zechariah spoken had declared that he would. They thought Jesus was going to come and triumph over the injustice, lift them, out, lift them up from their poverty into a place of plenty. They're remembering how it was under King David. And they're asking each other, how can it have gone so wrong? There Jesus had been taken and humiliated, mutilated and killed at the hands of the Romans. And their dreams were sealed in that tomb. It wasn't turning out what they thought or expected. And we can see from this conversation that they had lost hope. Yet in the midst of that space, Jesus came along and he walked right beside them. He showed them that yes, while it might not look like what they thought, he was right there with them, dynamically present. He was overthrowing enemies they couldn't see, restoring justice with a grace and mercy that had been previously never seen or known. And he had provided for them what no other could, peace with God. So I want to hop back to a few days after Jesus was born. I think actually it's probably about six weeks after Jesus was born. And I want to look at a couple who had learned how to live in the Father's hope. We probably only ever read their story on Christmas Eve. <laughs> but these two are just fascinating. It's Simeon and Anna. And this conversation that we're going to have a look at happens in the temple in Jerusalem when Jesus was about six weeks old and Mary and Joseph had taken him for the purification ceremony that happens after the birth. And so that's what they were doing there. I'm going to read you the story if you're not familiar with it. It's in Luke 2 and it starts in verse 25. At that time, there was a man in Jerusalem named Simeon. He was righteous and devout and was eagerly waiting for the Messiah to come and rescue Israel. The Holy Spirit was upon him and he revealed to him that he would not die until he had seen the Lord's Messiah. That day the Spirit led him to the temple. So when Mary and Joseph came to present their baby Jesus to the Lord, as the law required, Simeon was there. He took the child in his arms and he praised God, saying, Thanks John, I think I've wrote this one up. Sovereign Lord, now let your servant die in peace as you have promised. I have seen your salvation, which you prepared for all people. He is a light to reveal God to the nations, and he is the glory of your people, Israel. Jesus' parents were amazed at what was being said about him. And then Simeon blessed them and said to, his, the, to Mary, the baby's mother, This child is destined to cause many in Israel to fall and many others to rise. He has been sent as a sign from God, but many will oppose him. As a result, the deepest thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and a sword will pierce your very soul. Anna, a prophet, was also there in the temple. She was the daughter of Phanuel from the tribe of Asher and she was very old. Her husband died when they'd been married only seven years and then she lived as a widow to the age of 84. She never left the temple but stayed there day and night, worshipping God with fasting and prayer. She came along just as Simeon was talking with Mary and Joseph. 
and she began praising God. She talked about the child to everyone who had been waiting expectantly for God to rescue Jerusalem. So what can we see in the posture of both Simeon and Anna? Let's remember they were living in an age where it looked like God had deserted them. 400 years of silence. And they were living under that oppressive Roman Empire. And they could easily have been living without hope. But this is what we see. I think in Simeon we see obedience and humility. He obediently followed the Spirit to go to the temple that day. Humbly following his direction and waiting to see what God was going to say to him. And Anna, persistent, patient, eager expectation, and worshipful. Let's remember she was 84. Now, I'm not the maths expert, but if we take 14 off of there, which maybe perhaps was when she may have been married, that's about 70, right? And for seven of those years, she was married. So if we take seven off of 70, that's 63 years. Is that right, Michael? 63 years of prayer and fasting to see the Messiah. Who loves fasting? Who loves prayer? That's a lot of prayer and fasting going on, isn't it? Wonderful to meet Anna. So Simeon and Anna, they'd learned how to live in the Father's hope. Thanks, Jonathan. And these, I think, are the things that we can draw from their story. Humility, obedience, persistence and patience, and eager expectation. So I think we want to live in the Father's hope too, don't we? We want to be people who are expectant for God to move and act in the midst of our situations that look difficult and hopeless. Remembering that Jesus has come and that we have been renewed. And we will see a fullness of that. But expectant that at any moment he can break in with his kingdom life into this life between the ages that we're in right now. Between the fullness of his coming. So let's have a look at humility. Even if you can't see why or how things are working out as they are right now, I think we need to be a people who walk in humility and who humble ourselves before God and we don't expect to have to have all the answers. But we learn to trust him in the long obedience of following after him. Obedience itself. What might we need to be doing to respond to God? How might we be pressing in to engage with him right now? Maybe we need to learn to be really great listeners. And following after God, even he asks us to do something that seems a bit strange or out of the box. Maybe we might need to take a change of direction in our day. Maybe we might need to step out and go and speak to someone when we never have before. Maybe we need to be people who are looking around for someone else to encourage. Being people who are prepared to be used by God to see his kingdom breaking in, like Simeon was that day. 
I think we can all do with some more persistence and patience. Showing up, turning up before God with hearts willing to obey him. That's really important, isn't it? And praying with persistence and dedication. Even when things around us seem dark and oppressive and thinking that having God break in is almost impossible. Let's be like Anna and Simeon and show up before God with hearts of prayer, hearts of worship, an eager expectation. Let's not let go of God's word for us. If he's spoken something to you, don't let go of it, but keep a hold of it. Keep a notebook with the things that God says to you and reflect on it often and pull it out and discuss it and pray over it. And also, let's be people who look for him in the smallest, most unexpected places. When Simeon was in the temple that day, he didn't spot a strapping young warrior about to take on the Romans. He took in his arms an eight day, eight week, eight, a six to eight week old baby. God is in unexpected places. And when we learn to live in the Father's hope, we begin to be able to see those places. Thanks, Jonathan. So let's pull all this together. As followers of Jesus, we are a people of Advent, a people of his coming. We expect him to come, knowing that he has come and he will come. And we live in the Father's hope. And today I'd like us to share in communion together. Because communion is that meal that he's asked us to share together. is a wonderful way that we can celebrate and practice hope as a community around the table. Because that's what communion is all about, isn't it? In communion, thanks Jonathan, we give thanks and celebrate now what he has done on the cross. We celebrate what is ours now. New life, redemption, new creation. In anticipation of what is still to come. The fullness of Jesus when he comes in all his glory. So we look forward, thanks Jonathan, to his coming. When all things will be made new. And Paul writes, doesn't he, when he's writing to the Corinthians, that when we share this meal together... We're announcing the Lord's death until he comes again. So I've set up a table here and I'd like us to come and gather all the way around it um, in, in a big, well, not a huge circle, but, you know, a circle. And, um, and then I'll, I'll explain what we're going to do next. So how about we all come together?